Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. <laughs> How are you? Blessed and highly favored. Well, we're going to continue in our message. And um, I really have been enjoying spending some time reflecting on the Christmas message. Now, I've actually planned this some time back. And um, today, today is something special because at the end, how many, how many like Christmas because you like presents? Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Don't be bashful. Yeah, yeah, we know you're out there. You know, no, we're not. It's all about Jesus, you just said. <laughs> but the reality is today we're gonna, we have a little gift for you. And I'm not going to say nothing, but it has a little bit to do with the picture I've been showing you. And, uh, and so, and w- w- what's not also a little bit of chocolate? How many like chocolate? Anybody like chocolate out there? Nobody. Oh, we got all the chocolate. No one likes chocolate. All the hand. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> but so, we just wanted to celebrate Christmas with you, and Christmas comes in many different ways. And so... Uh, we have a little don't leave before it's over today because we'll be at the door uh, to greet you. That being said, we've been talking about this wonderful series that I like, God's Promise Kept. How many of you had a promise that someone didn't keep it? Can you raise your hand? Whether you're a kid, you know, someone promised you something, but they didn't keep their promise. Do you know you'll never find any promises in Scripture that's broken? God has never broken any promises. Someone say praise the Lord. I want you to say this. I want to say it again. God has never, N-E-V-E-R, never broken any promises. So when he promised you something, you can bank on it. You can count on it. It's going to happen. Because God doesn't break promises. Matter of fact, matter of fact, he remembers what he says for generations. Now, you may not remember what you had for breakfast yesterday. But God remembers what he said. And I I just, as we talk about hope, God's promise kept. I I want you and I to get hold of this hope because as we're celebrating the season, it's about hope. This hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But we have to remember, we have to remember hope is every day because we're going to run into struggles. We're going to run into some problems and situations. Now, when a person says hope... I hope that happens. I hope I get that job. I hope I pass the test. I hope my tire doesn't blow out on the way to such and such. You know, we hope about a lot of things. We're really saying, oh, I wish it, I wish it happens. But hoping in God is not like that. Hope in God is based on what you know in God. Do you know the character of God? Do you know who God is? Because when you know who God is, you can then put your hope in God because you know God's going to keep his promise. So when you know the character of God, and that's why I tell people all the time, read your Bibles, get into prayer, get into small groups, get into study, learn, grow, become. Don't get lazy. Don't get passive. Don't get so busy doing that you forget about being. Because it's about knowing God and the character of God so that when you find yourself in a situation, you know who your God is. And so you can take that situation and say, you know what? 
My God's in control. Someone should say, my God's in control. Well, that's just powerful. That's just powerful. And it's powerful when you're going through the mess and you have no stress because you understand your God is on the scene and you're not alone. So when you look in the Christmas story, you see angels taking part in it in a big way. All through scripture, you see the activity of angels taking part because they're messengers of God. And they came to bring instructions, they guided, they protected, they intervened. We've memorized this scripture from Romans chapter 15, 13. May the hope of God, may the God of hope fill you, fill you, and this is so important, fill you with all joy, peace, that you may trust him and that you may overflow. How many want to overflow? Overflow with hope in the Holy Spirit. This is powerful by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so powerful. God is a God of hope. Just say that. God is a God of hope. Now watch how we change it. My God is a God of hope. You see how it changes? Now when you find yourself in a situation, you need to recognize who God is. You need to know the character of God so you can place your hope in what he says. That's when we grow and that's when we know who God is. Last week I gave you an acronym. Does anybody remember what it was? Hope. What does it stand for? Oh. Be still my heart. Help me before I fall. Somebody. Yes, that's right. She had to look at her notes, but you took. Awesome. She looked at her notes. Everybody should have notes. Someone say, amen. Hope. Hope, what it does is it helps open people's eyes. That's what hope does. It opens eyes. Most people, most people want God's hope, but they don't pay attention to God. They'll be in church, be on their phone. They'll be in church, reading a newsletter. They'll be in church doing everything, you know, and they come to church and they want God's blessing. They want God this. But they, when they come to church, they're just going through the motion. There's no connection there. They're just going through the motion. And then all of a sudden, when they find themselves in a situation in life, and all of a sudden, they, you know, they're floating, they're floating. They go through a situation in life. And then all of a sudden, their life is chaotic. And now, now they want God to show up and show off. But they haven't learned about the character of God. They haven't spent time in his presence. They've been so busy about doing, they haven't been being. And this is where hope comes in. Hope comes in is when things start to get messy. But you know who your God is. Because you paid attention to it. And when you pay attention to your God, he opens your eyes to see things that he wants you to see. Now, last week, we we took a couple of examples of angels working with human beings in the Old Testament. And I told you last week that we're going to look at the New Testament. So let's take a little journey real quick, showing you how angels in the New Testament, how they were interacting to bring out God's plan. How many know God still has a plan? Hmm? Yeah. How many know you're in it? Hmm. Question is, are you in it to win it? Or you just want to get there? I don't care. I just want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. No, God don't want you to get to heaven by the skin of your teeth. He wants you to get in, all in. And all of a sudden, hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let's look a little bit here in the New Testament. Last week, we talked about Zacharias. How the angel Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, met him while he was offering incense before the Lord. And God gave this incredible message found in Luke 1. In Matthew, we see Joseph had three encounters of angels in visions, giving him guidance throughout the journey to fulfill the plan of God. 
In Luke 2, we see angels, numerous of angels, singing and proclaiming, talking about the Savior being born. In Matthew chapter 4, we see angels ministering to Jesus just after he gets out of his temptation in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. We see John 5, we are told that an angel stirred up the water in the pool of Bethsaida. And the first person to enter into the pool was healed of their disease. In Luke 22, God sent a spiritual messenger to Jesus while he was in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane to, to strengthen him while he was about to go to the cross. Matthew 20, 28, we see an angel appears near the tomb of Jesus declaring to Mary and the, and the woman that he is no longer dead. He is alive. Do not look for the living among the dead. In Acts, you see two angels appear to the 11 disciples on the Mount of Olives as Jesus is ascended to heaven, telling them, hey, listen, the way Jesus went up, he's coming back the same way. In Acts chapter 5, we see Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem arrested the 12 apostles. And he put them in prison. And God sent an angel of the Lord to free them from prison. And then said, get out there and boldly proclaim the message. I have told you. In Acts chapter 8, we see an angel appeared to the disciple Philip and commanded him, go to Gaza. And while he went to Gaza, he met an Ethiopian. And while he met an Ethiopian, he shared the message of the gospel with him. And he got saved and then was baptized. In Acts chapter 10, an angel of the Lord came to a Roman centurion named Cornelius. He had a vision, and he, in the vision, the angel said, go and get Peter, because he has a message I want you to hear. And that family was the first family, the Gentile family, to be, be non-Jewish, to be part of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, convert to Christianity. In Acts chapter 12, after Peter was thrown into prison by Herod Agrippa, an angel is sent and leads him safely out of prison. Acts 27, an angel appears to Paul in a dream while he's sailing as a prisoner to Rome. And the angel says to him, Paul, you're going to go before Caesar. And I'll tell you what, Paul, every man on this boat, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to protect them for your name as long as they stay within the boat. Isn't it amazing that when you get favor with God, the people around you will also get favor? Revelation, I love this in the book of Revelation. We have numerous encounters here with John as he's on the island of Patmos. And don't forget, he was there because of persecution. One of the greatest New Testament interactions is found in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 10, the angel gives John a little book and says, Eat it. It'll be sweet on your tongue and lips, but it's going to be bitter in your stomach. And in, verse, in chapter 11, an angel reveals to John the true meaning of the woman riding on the scarlet beast with her writings on her forehead. In Revelation chapter 17, the angel informs John that all the prophecies he saw are faithful and will come to pass. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 6, it says this, And the angel said to John, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants the things to come. This, I want you to understand that there is divine intervention, that God used the messages that he has. Gabriel was one of them. There's been others throughout the process of time. Their names are not important because they are fulfilling the word and works of God. And we can see what God did during the Christmas prophecy to fulfill it. And how angels played such a big part. What was angels doing in the story? 
They were guiding and preventing evil to triumph. I want you to understand that. There's a battle out there, and there is evil out there, and the angelic host intervenes sometimes so that evil is defeated. Daniel was praying one time, and his prayer went up, but there was a demonic attack on him where his prayers did not get answered at the timely way because there was opposition in the heavenly realm. And so all of a sudden we see there is a battle going on in the process. And we can see that there was a battle. You can see in the book of Revelation as well. A battle when Jesus Christ came and how the enemy was out to snuff it out. Just today, just today, God is with you trying to do some miraculous things in you. But you have to have ears to hear and heart to understand. You have to have a desire in your heart to say, God, I want you. God, I need you. And it doesn't make a difference how old you are. Someone say amen. Amen. It doesn't make a difference how young you are. Someone say amen. amen. You see, you can see from the Old Testament to New Testament, that there was a divine intervention as well as interaction that angels were communicating so that the will of the Father may be done. And we see this in the Christmas message, which is so exciting. Let's look at the portion here. Uh, look at, let's look at Mary's divine encounter. Because Mary is a very special young lady, just like every other special young lady mentioned in the Bible, just like every special young man is special in the Bible. You know, people have elevated Mary to a point of God. That's what some religions have done. And at the end, I'll show you what Mary has to say. But can I just say this? There is only one person who died on the cross for our sins. There is only one person who rose on the third day. There is only one person who came to defeat sin, death, and the grave. And what's his name? His name is Jesus Christ. And that's the only one, the only one that can redeem us. Let's look what it says here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. In the sixth month, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin name was Mary. Now, I want you to first get this, that six months ago, remember, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, went over to Zechariah, had this incredible conversation with Zechariah. Now, it says six months later, he now meets with Mary. Now, you have to understand, Nazareth, you wouldn't even know who, where Nazareth was if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Nazareth was a small um, town, oft kind of tucked away in the area of Galilee. Um, most theologians and some of the historians say the water there wasn't the greatest. Um, it just was one of those towns that... Um, no one really cared about. It was just a small town. And, and um, nevertheless, Jesus always has a, I don't know, I think a tendency to, to go to the poor and go to those that are downcast. And he even was raised in the place that, well, nobody really wanted to live. You see, it was 15 miles from the Sea of Galilee, and you know what? It was actually six miles from a main road. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if you had to travel, you didn't want to be so far from a main road to get to places. So it was really kind of tucked out there, and it wasn't a very big place. But because Jesus was born there, Nazareth has a whole different thing. And if you look at Nazareth today, it's, it's a tourist place. I, I want you to understand, too, that this is really, uh, this is kind of really important that Jesus was known as Jesus of Nazareth or the Nazarene. Popularity came, Nazareth became very popular after Jesus. But there is no ambiguity to this aspect or to this phrase, Mary was a virgin, period. A lot of times people want to say she wasn't a virgin, they want to try to compromise this and compromise. Mary was a virgin. And even the word itself gives all indication she, has never, she had never been with a man. She was a virgin. And this is very important part of what they call in theology the hypostatic union that took place when God became man in the flesh. The incarnation. I, I want you to know that Mary at this time was under betrothal with Joseph and she was just getting her life ready. I mean, she's finally come to this moment where all of a sudden she was ready, ready to start life. We, we don't know if she was happy about the arranged marriage, but we do know she was about to start life because she was in a betrothal that usually took one year. You see, on the Jewish wedding day, there was three phases to getting married. The first one was the arrangement. This is where the father of the bride and the father of the groom would come together and say, you know what? I think your daughter would make a good wife for my, my, my son. Well, I think your son would make a good wife for my daughter. <sighs> Husband, you know, you get the point. <laughs> and so they would, the two fathers would get together and they would, would kind of arrange it. And that could be at a very young age. And then it was the betrothal. This is where things changed. This is where the idea of bringing them together came with a ceremony, came with a commitment. It was being married. The only thing you could not do, you could not have sexual relations during that one year. But here's what's really so cool. Because the third one would be the marriage. And this was where the groom, after a year, would come according to his timing to get his bride. And he, had to, he came when he wanted to. And so this has a little bit to do with what you can see about Jesus coming back for his church. And so she was to be ready whenever the groom came. I, I want you to say it was a beautiful thing. It was a, it was a parade, that the, the parade to, pick up his, to pick up his bride. Today, we don't look at marriage as being sacred like, like at one time. Today, we live in a world today that it's more about conveniencies than anything else. Everything's about conveniencies. But when Mary is about to encounter this angel, she is betrothed. She is already all in to a ceremony, to a commitment. It's made known. It's public. Uh, this is, this is, this is going to be a tough thing for her. Uh, but you know what? It's how she handles it and how the angel communicates to her that I want you to understand today because the angel of God is speaking to her. But while he speaks to her, we can learn something because God's always speaking to us. Amen. Problem is, we're not really listening to God. We only want to listen to the things we want to listen to. Do you know that? 
We, we, we want God to say something to us, but only if it's what we like. Mm. So look what it says here, because now comes divine information that, that God provides in verse 28, 29. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I want you to think for a second. When the angel came, the angel knew Mary's name. The angel knew where Mary was. The angel knew exactly where she would be when he was going to encounter her. He knew she was in Nazareth. There's a lot of people who wouldn't have gone to Nazareth, but the angel did. He knew that Mary was a virgin. He also knew that Mary was engaged to Joseph. She was betrothed. But I want you to understand something, and this is important. Before God chose Mary, Mary was tested before that and proven true. I want you to know, before God uses us for a task, we will go through something in life. We will go through situations and circumstances and see how we handle them because no doubt Mary had the character is because she went through some stuff. They had no doubt gone through some stuff. When you see people of great faith or you see people who, who have gone through a lot of hardships and yet see their faith, they are individuals. They are individuals that have went through the hot water. Have you ever heard the saying, Someone just was saying it the other day. And, uh, but it's like um, Christians give the best flavors. Well, like Christians are like tea bags. They're supposed to give the best flavors when they go through the hot waters. Someone said to me, but I don't like tea. I told him, get over it and get the point. See, sometimes we have to be tested. We, sometimes we have to go through the, the situation in order for our character to be strengthened, our life to be strengthened. And sometimes what we go through really prepares us. And Mary went through some stuff before she was chosen. They didn't just show up one day to Mary and say, Mary, you're highly favored. She's highly favored for a reason. Because she went through. He knew her name and he knew all about her and was about to do something special. Look here, verse. Oh, let me, let me, let me, let me share something for you. Let me go back for a second. When we look at the word... Um, when we look highly favored. If someone comes up to you and say, I'll just pick on someone named John. John, you're highly favored. How's John going to feel? Special. Because out of everybody, I'm picking you, John. John's really happy. Why? He's highly favored. Why is he highly favored? Because John has shown some type of element, some type of um, character, something that caused me to pick him for the job. Mary is highly favored, and when we look at highly favored, it simply means much grace has been lavished upon her. She is honored because she has honored God, and now God's about to honor her. It, the Lord is with you. Think about this. You're favored, and the Lord is with you. So if God's with you, how would you handle your problems now? If you knew every problem you go into, the Lord was with you 100%, how would you look at your problem? Huh? How would your attitude change if you really knew that you really knew that your God was with you in the midst of your finances, in the midst of, you say, an ailment, in the midst of a family problem, in the midst of a job situation? And you knew 
You knew God was with you. How would you handle that situation? It's, it's, it's done. God's in control. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to carry it. I don't have to lose sleep. I just need to enjoy my rest. Do you see? That's what hope is. Hope is casting your cares on the one of the character in which you know. This is what's so beautiful. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. So she was troubled uh, and she was confused. Have you ever been confused? How many have ever been confused? Raise your hand. Oh, thank you for being honest. Yes, yes. Well, I'll tell you what. She's not the only person that was confused in Scripture. Uh, you ever read the story of Gideon? Look, listen to the story of Gideon. Let me, let me give you a little breakdown. Gideon is at a point where he's threshing wheat, and he's doing it secretly. It's because the enemy of Israel, the Midianites, are, are attacking them and taking away their food and, and, and just causing havoc. And so he is actually trying to hide, trying to get some food. He's hiding as he gets his food together, and an angel shows up. Angel shows up. And this is what the angel says to Gideon, a man who's hiding from the enemy. In verse 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Can, can, can you imagine that? Here's the person hiding from the enemy. The angel comes up and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You talking to me? You're not talking to me. Because like... Me, warrior? See, you want to talk about confused? There's another person who was confused by the message of the angel. Because the angel was seeing what God saw in him. And Gideon went through some really big stuff and turned out to be a warrior. It's really interesting. How about Moses? I love the story of Moses. Moses is so wonderful. How about Moses? Moses in chapter uh, 3. God said, therefore now come and I will send you to Pharaoh. So that you may bring my people and sons of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Wait a minute, God. Wait, wait, wait. You got the wrong one, baby. Huh? Me? Who am I to go back to Pharaoh? I, I mean, I've been in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, it reminds me when, um, when I was working in steam engineering and I was getting my licenses and I was pretty motivated to excel and God was working in my heart and there was a lot of changes and so I was studying my licenses as well as studying the Word of God. So I was studying both. And then I found myself studying the Word of God more than studying for my licenses at that time, I've had two licenses. There was another three more licenses to go. And, um, and I, 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 I didn't want to uh, study my licenses anymore. I, I kind of wanted um, God's word. And one day, my pastor called me up, and he said, Hey, what you doing? I said, Well, I'm just working. And he said, Well, how is back then? There was Berean courses. This is all by mail back then. And uh, so I said, oh, I want more than just this, you know? And that day, he made an appointment to see the, the dean of the school, and I didn't want to go there. We were just newly married. We ended up going out of obedience to my pastor, 
And at the end of the conversation, the first conversation, well, we don't just let anybody in the school. And I'm like, great, because I don't want to be go to this school. I just came because my pastor wanted me to be here. By the end of the conversation, he shook my hand and said, I'll see you in the fall. I was confused. I was very confused of what God was doing in my life. Because let me tell you the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. The day before that, I was by myself with the Lord, and I said, if I stood in the trade all the days, what I have? I have plenty of money, plenty of things, plenty of toys, vacation, kids' education. It was all me. And I said, but if I dedicate my life to the Lord, what would it do? And it was all others. Every single thing on the list with others. And I picked up the others and I said, God, this is what I want. And the next day I found myself being accepted into a school that I hated school. I mean, I cheated my last four years when I was in high school. You see, I was confused on what God was doing. I was not prepared for what God was about to get me into. I, was, I, would, just, I would say what Moses said, who am I, God? To be able to do this because I can't even spell, I can't write a sentence, my grammatical structure is non-existent. And you're choosing me to go to school? That don't even make sense in the normal. But yet God is God. And God sees more than we see. Someone say amen. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. So look what his. So look what happens now. Now the angel gives divine clarity to Mary, and look what it says. But the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. I want you to look at this clarity that the angel is going to give her, because she's a little confused, favored, the Lord is with me, and now he gives some clarity. Don't be afraid. You notice that's what the angel says every single time, every encounter, don't be afraid. And what are we usually? Afraid. Mm. Mary, you're going to have a son. His name, name him Jesus, which is Savior, Yeshua. Some translate Joshua. He's going to be the Savior of the world. He's going to be great. He's going to be called the Son of the Most High God. Wow. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. This is where it gets exciting. This is because Mary is at this point here, and this is where I think is so different between Mary and maybe Zacharias, because uh, Mary says this, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. She's saying, wait a minute, I'm going to have a son, I'm going to have a baby, Uh, he's going to be over Israel, he's going to be the savior of the world, but I've never known a, a man before, how can I be pregnant? That doesn't make sense. So this was not doubt here, it was confusion. It didn't make sense. Confusion. And there's a difference between confusion and doubt. So, when we are confused, we don't understand. She asks a question, trying to get understanding. Okay, okay, if I'm going to have a child, how is it going to be if, if I've never known a man? I'm just curious. How's that going to work? How's that going to work? And this, he, he gives her clarity. 
The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called, will be called the Son of God. She asks a question for understanding and she gets divine explanation. He says exactly how it's going to happen. The Spirit of God is going to come and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And this is going to be the results, Mary. Then you're going to be with child. And that is a supernatural birth. A divine intervention by an angel. Look at this. Look at it for a second. This is what I want to focus on. Because divine example, and then he gave her an example. Elizabeth, your relative, in verse 36, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I want you to get this now. Here he gives a uh, evidence. He says, okay, Elizabeth, your, your relative who's barren, you know she's barren, you know she's old, she's had no children, you know this, she's now six months. What was Zacharias um, sign? Because he didn't believe. And then the angel gave him a sign. Okay, here's your sign. You're not going to be able to speak. For Mary, the sign was my relative who can't have children in her old age is now, this angel says, six months. And if that's true, everything else he said is true. So I, I want you to get this. This is where it gets really important because verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. This statement is true or it's fault. Do you believe nothing is impossible with God? You know, we're quick to say yes, but when we are faced with opposition, when we're faced with hardship, when we're faced with difficult times, when we're faced with uh, situations that are hard, it's difficult But do we really believe with God all things are possible? Nothing is difficult with God. We have to really ask that for for nothing's impossible with God. Do we really believe that when we're faced with situations? I'll be honest. There's been situations I will say, God, I'm not sure what you're doing here, God. I need a little help. Your word says nothing's impossible with you. Well, I have a little doubt about this nothing thing. And when you start to have a doubt about this nothing thing, everything else on the foundation starts to crack. Because you have to be all in and believe in God that all things are possible. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What area of your life do you need to apply this belief? With God, all things are possible. For nothing's impossible with God. What? Your health? For your healing? For your job? Your relationship? Your spouse? Your family, your finances, your problem. What is it? What is it that you have to say, okay, God, this is the situation. This is the reality. Now, if your word says nothing is impossible with you, all things are possible with you, God, then I got to apply my problem to God's word. That's what changes our hearts. And that's what rises faith up. Look what Genesis 18, 14 says. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, this is Abraham's wife, shall have a son. In Job 42, 2, 
I know that you can do all things, Job says, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted or opposed. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, O Lord, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Someone say amen. You see, this is, this is where it comes down. The angel is saying, listen, your relative's pregnant, but you need to understand nothing is difficult for God. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, this is where it's really so important for people as we live life we just can't say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to heaven. That is not the issue of living life. Our, our deal about living life is living by faith and doing something for God so that heaven is greater because we lived here on earth. That's the reason why we live and have our being, not just to exist from moment to moment to moment to moment, but to say, how can my moments I live make a difference in eternity? How can I, as my life, live in such a way that it makes a difference in lives of people? And they go on and touch other people's lives. You see, that's what Mary is trying to understand. She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's listening to all this information that was so overwhelming, no doubt. But here she says, she hears all this and then responds. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be unto me as you have said. And then what did the angel do? What did the angel do? He just left her. You, you, you dump all this information on this young lady and then leave. You know, it didn't say, and listen, Mary, Mary, God is with you. And we'll hold your hand throughout the whole thing. We'll be right there. You'll be able to see us. No, no. You live by faith in the word of God. Someone say amen. Mm. I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you said. Mary receives this incredible privilege of bearing forth the promise that the scriptures have said would come forth, but the people of Israel were looking for not a baby. They weren't looking for a baby. They were looking for someone older, yeah. But the thing is, God's ways are higher than our ways. And as high as the heaven is from the earth, so his ways higher than our ways. And God knew exactly what he was doing. It, what's really amazing is that when you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says this. We live by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And then if we look at verse 37, where it says, for nothing is impossible with God. Take those two scriptures, take those two scriptures, and, and look what it says. I, I think it's combined them together. We live by faith, not by sight, and for nothing is impossible for God. And then we say, for nothing is impossible for God, for we live by faith and not by sight. So when the winds blow and you feel it, and when the storm's really out and you feel the rain and you feel it beating against you and you have to say, wait a minute, the words of God are true. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Mary at that moment, Mary at that moment had to have the hope 
in what the words were spoken to her and she knew the God in which she trusted because I guarantee you at that moment at that moment she wasn't worried about what people would say about her she wasn't worried about her parents what the parents would say she wasn't worried about what Joseph was going to say she wasn't worried about how the people were going to say she wasn't worried about anything at that moment at that moment it didn't hit her I'm pretty sure of it. it didn't hit her it hit her afterwards when the angel left her and sometimes that's exactly what happens. Sometimes we get the promise of God. God gives us a promise and we all gun home because God's presence is with us. And when God's presence is with us, we're like, woo! And then all of a sudden when you don't feel the presence all of mine, you sometimes forget what the word of God said. And that's where doubt comes in. Frustration comes in. Aggravation comes in. That's when all of a sudden you allow the, the flesh to rise up instead of allowing the spirit to grow up in you and through you. No doubt she wasn't worried about what people were thinking. She wasn't thinking about the great affliction she was going to endure. All she kept on thinking was that, wow, God is about to do something spectacular in my life. Can I tell you that God has done a spectacular work in your life already? You know what happens to us sometimes is we belittle the great works of God. And we always want to compare it to something else. But if, God, if you don't feel God's doing some great works, maybe it's not God. Maybe God's waiting for you to do your part. Because it seems like what I see from Scripture, God always wants a step of faith before he comes in. So maybe God's been speaking to you of what you need to do for a step of faith. She hears this. She hears this and says, let it be said unto me. She answers the call. The angel speaks clarity to her. It tells her everything she needs. And she's ready for the mission. How many love Moses? How many love Moses? Raise your hand. Let's look at Moses. Let's look at Moses. Don't get me wrong. I love Moses. But you know what? It gives me confidence when I read stuff like this. Because Moses, let's listen to how he handled the call. Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I have, see, I have never been eloquent. I can relate to that. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servants. I am slow in speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave you man's mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And look at how Moses handles this. Like a real servant. <laughs> but Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. That wasn't the response of Mary. Mary said, Be unto me as you said. Isn't it awesome to see how God works with his servants? Sometimes when we make a mistake, or sometimes you feel like you flopped or failed, and all of a sudden you just want to stay in your little corner humdrum. Oh, poor's me, you know, God, I'm the worst of all the servants, you know. Gee with God, I can't believe you put up with me. Man, get over that rotten, stinking thinking. Even Moses, there was a point God was getting a little agitated with him because he's kept, oh, use my brother Aaron, he speaks well. Yeah, he's a guy, Lord. And God said, no, I'm picking you. It's amazing. If you read this narrative, Aaron kind of fades out. Moses kind of steps up as he gets his confidence. You see, God wants to pick you up right where you are, but you have to want to be picked up. You ever try to pick up a cat that doesn't want to be picked up? 
Huh? I don't know if you're a cat fan out there and stuff. I'm not a cat fan. I only had two cats I've liked, really liked, like they're dogs. They, my cats were like dogs. That's why I liked them so much. But, but you try to pick up a cat sometimes, and a cat don't want to be picked up. Boy, they're all claws. They're all, you know. And sometimes God's trying to pick us up. God's trying to help us. But, you know, we're like that cat just wants a claw. You know, we're fighting everything that God's trying to do because it's not what we want. It's not how we like it. But it's not how God works. God works a little differently. Here's Moses. God's working with Moses. He's seeing all these miracles. He's seeing all these scenes. And he still wants to, hey, God, pick somebody else. Just someone's going to be better than me. And sometimes we carry that same attitude. We always think, oh, God, look, I am, I am just the worst of the worst. You need to stop that stinking thinking. That's just, that's just the devil just messing with your head. He's giving you, he just giving you all that junk in your head, and you're listening to it. God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Someone say amen. amen. God says, you're the head and not the tail. Someone say amen. amen. God says, greater is he that's in you than in the world. Someone say amen. amen. Now, if God says all these promises to you, it's up to you to take what God says about you and rise up with your chin high. And when you go to a situation, it's a situation where you can grow up and know who he is and get his character where he, his character needs to be. So you can have a, be a man and woman of hope, of strength. Allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through you. Because all he's looking for is a contrite spirit. He's not looking for all that and a bag of chips. He's just looking for your heart to be right and a heart to do something good. He just said, God, here I am. That's what Mary said. She didn't feel capable. She didn't feel she was all that. But she was willing to give God what she had. And when we give God what we have, it's that's when God can bring the increase. You come before God and say, well, God, here's your special servant. Here I am. I know you're so glad I'm here. God would say, sit down, son. Sit down, daughter. All of us, that we have to ask this question. How are we going to respond when God asks us of a task? As the angel came to her and gave her a task from the very throne room of God, that was planned for a very, very long time. How would you respond if God asked you to do something difficult? How would you respond if it was something that you had to inconvenience yourself? Or how about this, put you out of your comfort zone? I was talking to myself and another person not too long ago, and we we're talking about comfort. And you know sometimes about the human race is we like comfort. But comfort never causes you to grow. You get stiphonated. You get like the dead sea. You may have a lot of stuff pouring in, but if nothing's going out. And you have to be careful that God sometimes will do things in your life to discomfort so that you can kind of grow, kind of push towards him even more. So let me ask you a question. How would you respond if, if God asked you to do something? How would you respond if God convicted you of something uh, in your life? Maybe you're a sin. Maybe, maybe your lack of pursuit for him. Maybe your, your passivity that you carry in all that you do. How, how, what would God say? How would you respond if he said something about the way we serve, the way we love, the way we respond to when he speaks to us? How would we respond if God convicts us? 
Do we say, well, God, and just come up with excuses? One of my pet peeves is that when I'm talking about a certain problem and the first thing people want to do is give me an excuse why such and such and such. They don't take responsibility. They offer excuses. I don't want to hear them. I hate excuses. I think excuses own up to the problem. If you own it, you own it. This time, a lot of things, I will own up to it. I will say it's buck stops here, 100%. I don't have a problem owning up to it because it's, it's, if it's true, it's true. Because I'm not going to keep it there. i got to do something about the vessel. So you can't change what's around you, but you can change you. Look at your neighbor and say amen. amen. But what we want to try to do sometimes is we want to change everything around us. You know, if that person did this, or if they did this, or they did this, they, they, they. Never us, never me, never me. They. And the key is, is it's always you. You want to change the situation? Change you. Look at Jaber and say, he's talking to you. So how we respond to God is really important because Mary said, that's it. I'm in it to win it. All that you have said, I'm in it to win it. May it be unto me as you say. That's how we are to respond. I want to share something with you found in um, the same portion of Scripture, but it's in verse 45 and 47. When, um, when Mary saw Elizabeth, this is what Elizabeth said. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said, it will be accomplished in her. And then Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I, I wish some denominations could really get a hold of that. Mary saying, my Savior. Mary needed a Savior. Matter of fact, Mary had her, birthed her own life, eternal lifeline. <laughs> she needed a Savior, Jesus Christ. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. So the real challenge that we have to ask ourselves from the Christmas story, looking at a heart that believed, is are we willing to believe what God has told us? What area of our life do we really need to take into consideration? Our attitudes, how we treat certain people, our obedience, our involvement in ministry, how we give, how we live, how we just make a difference. Those things are important. How, how, how you just be kind. You know, I was talking to someone in a, a rather big church, and I, and I asked him, I said, um, hey, um, I said, how's your church in kindness? He said, oh, they're very kind, they're very kind. I said, well, I measure kindness in a big church from the parking lot. Not when I come into the building from the parking lot. Because I've been at many big churches. And I've seen sometimes how believers in Jesus Christ won't let you cut in front of them. No, 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 no. Hey, love you, brother. Love you, sister. But I'm out of this parking lot. You want to know where kindness is measured? Yeah, it's out in the parking lot. How people treat you and how, you know, let you go out. That, that's, that's where I see kind of, not, not so much on the indoors, because I'll tell you what, on the indoors, sometimes people know how to play nice. But let's get them out, let them get on the, behind the wheel. Let's get behind the wheel, let's see how they, how they are. And we might be talking to a few people here. 
Stand to your feet with me. Mary said, Mary said these important words, be unto me as you have said. He had a total yield. I think that's what God wants from us, simple. It's just to yield what God wants to do in our life. But the problem is we often fight, we often kick. We often want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And, and, and you know, I think it really comes down to is Mary forgot about everything, all her ambitions, all her life, everything. And she totally focused on the Lord to bring pleasure to God. I think our first love has to be the Lord. So as you close your eyes for a moment, and those watching online, the first thing is, have you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? That's the most important thing. Have you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ came to die for your sins. And he gave you an incredible gift, a gift that keeps on giving. In order for to receive the gift, you have to unwrap it. And the way you unwrap it is you have to believe that Jesus Christ died on the third day and rose from the dead. And if you believe what God's word says, he will change your heart from the inside. That's how you get your heart right. Say, God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. And, and then the second thing for believers, we have to ask ourselves, Mary was, was all in, all in. It was about God. It was about making God the focus and, and, and having a passion for God, not doing things with passivity and not doing things half done, just all in. I think we all could use a little bit more of that and say, God, we're here to serve you so, so long. May my life of service truly be one that gives you honor and praise because life is such a small portion of time. But one day, everything we've done in this small portion of time will be seen. Father, I ask right now that you just would bless and touch and help each one here. For those that need you, Father, may they just ask you to come into their heart this day. May they give their lives to you this Christmas. The greatest gift that was given is Jesus Christ. And the greatest gift we can give our God, Jesus Christ, is our hearts, is our lives. Father, we give you our hearts. We ask you to come into our hearts this day. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. We need you. We need you. We surrender. Now this day, Lord, we're going to live our lives for you. Lord, we touch each person here to be all in for you, God, because you are worthy of praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Tim's going to sing a Christmas carol, and I'll meet you at the door. You got a key? I don't either. You got your key? Oh, good. 